0: Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship of Huntsville. If you are visiting with us this morning, we'd love to hear from you. Should be a connection card underneath the seat in front of you. I'd love for you to fill that out. Give us a little information about yourself and um, you can put it in the box in the back. It's also where we take offerings as well. If you want to give to the church, if you've been going here for a while and are not involved in ministry, you need to do so. We'd love for you to. We're not going to require that you do so, but we'd greatly encourage it to be a part of the body, be a part of a small group, to be a part of what goes on here at fellowship and to know what's happening to be an encouragement to others and also to be encouraged. So we'd love for you to do that. Uh, We're gonna be reading, or I'm gonna be reading out of Acts 14, starting in verse 21. And CF's gonna take a couple of weeks to talk about elders. Um, The elders are gonna be selecting additional elders. And uh, so in the process, uh, CF's going to give you more information about that. But just in the, in the time period for praying and uh, just seeking out the Lord's direction for all that. So we're Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 21. And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are and I thank you for your truth. And I pray Uh, One, for the process of selecting elders and the leadership of this church. And Lord, that you will be about that completely and they will submit to you for that. And Lord, I pray for CF as he brings this word this morning that you'll give him the words to say and that we will be encouraged in, in response. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and caring for us beyond anything we deserve. We say this in your name. Amen.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good to have you here. Uh, As David said, I'm going to, next two weeks at least, we're going to look at the subject of elders. We're looking at selecting some more elders in the church, and we're going to talk about it to where everyone understands what is an elder and what's the process and what role part do we all play in that to where we understand it. And uh, so that's what I'm going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. So today I'm in Acts 14 and we're going to look at there. What I'm going to do today is talk about basically what is an elder? uh, What was their responsibility? And then next week we'll look at qualifications uh, because the Bible talks about that too. But for people, you come from a background where you don't have elders Uh, they don't really understand what they do, what's the function of them, that kind of stuff. So hopefully we'll be able to identify that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll begin. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for every expression of your love in our life and for the blessings that we have in this life. We pray for this time together, Lord, that you'd open our minds and our hearts to your truth. Help us to receive that truth. Help me to communicate it clearly. And Lord, help us to live for you bring glory and honor to you in all that we do. We ask and we pray these things of you in Christ's name, Lord, amen. We look at church government, there's several ways that a church can be governed or overseen. Uh, One is such as we use here as elders. In some churches, they use a system. I used to pastor a Baptist church and they use deacons. And uh, but deacons in those churches really served more of a role of an elder to a certain extent. I never really followed or understand exactly what they did. It was just a group of older guys that were kind of mean and (laughs) they kind of would come together and come up with an idea and then forced it on the people. Kind of how they do it and really didn't do much of anything unless a problem happened. But there's a biblical way that churches that are to be led. And when Paul was speaking to Timothy in 1 Timothy, he spoke of two key positions in the church, one being that of elder, and the other being the role of deacon. Elders are more your governing of the church body, overseeing the church body, whereas deacons serve the role of service. Ministry, uh, the term that's used in scripture is awaiting waiting on tables. They do the odds and ends that need to be done. They take, make sure the widows are taken care of, the orphans in the church are taken care of. Those things are very important, very crucial, very critical, but they're separate positions. They're not one and the same. What we're going to look at is elders, we're going to be selecting more elders and we're wanting the church's input on that and uh, guidance on that, so we'll look at the subject. I'm in Acts 14. And it says, and when they had, uh, verse 21, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now that's a very true passage, folks. The kingdom of God is not a cakewalk. When you enter into the kingdom of God, it's gonna come with it trials and tribulations. Paul told Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Uh, So many people, when they come to faith, uh, say, well, boy, it's been a heck of a struggle. Well, folks, when God calls you out of the world unto himself, there's gonna be struggles. There's gonna be conflict, and the biggest struggle and conflict you'll face will be yourself. Uh, it's, It's struggle within, it's the battle within. It's a battle against your own sinfulness, your own evilness. And how do I overcome that? How do I live the way God has called me to live? And you're faced continually with that in your life. So then he goes on in verse 23 and says, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through uh, Fistia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, And from there they, they sailed to Antioch. And when they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. So we're gonna focus primarily on verse 23 uh, today. He begins in that verse, he says, when they had appointed elders. The word there for appointed is a compound word that has significant meaning behind it. You see the word there on your, your screen, uh, "chiratania," And the word is compound in this sense. The first part of the word means hand. Second part of the word, tino, means to stretch out. And it means a vote of agreement is what it means. Uh, to be commended or to be appointed, I'm sorry, To be appointed means that there was a selection made. Who was the selecting authority? Well, in this case, it was Paul. Paul was the selecting authority. So a normal process for elders is people in the body recognize people that would fit the the guidelines and and they mention their names. They bring their names up, okay? And, And that's what it says there. It says, and when they had appointed elders, now what is an elder? Let's look at that. The word elder, uh, prebuteros, is the most common word used and it can mean older man is what it can mean, okay? But in a spiritual sense or in a biblical sense, what it quite often means is a spiritually mature person. That's what it references. If you get back in the, a lot of the culture in that part of the world is still governed by that. We went in several, uh, when I was in the military, several middle, middle Eastern countries, and when we'd go into a village or whatever, we'd ask for, where's your leadership? And We came to find out real quick that they referred to their leadership as elders. They'd say our elders, and they'd bring the elders out. A lot of times these were very, very old men that would come forward, so it was a common form of, of a government that was, that's used around the world. It was common in that time. And so the idea in scripture is that elders are spiritually mature men. That's, that's the general idea. Where does that idea come from? Well, it goes. I know for a fact it goes all the way back into the Old Testament, because you look back at Exodus and look at the 18th chapter of the book of Exodus, you will see in the time of Moses where this began, I'm gonna read an introduction here and we're gonna focus on it because it helps you to understand what they do. What does an elder do in a church? So it begins here in verse, or chapter 18, verse one. And Jethro, and that's not Bodine, that's just Jethro, the, that's the father of Moses, okay? Or father-in-law of Moses. So it says, and Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses's father-in-law heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And he's gonna talk to him about his wife and stuff like this, but he's gonna get to the part I wanna talk to, so move to verse 13. Uh, And I'm I'm gonna read 12, just back up 12. It says, then Jethro, not Bodine, Moses's father-in-law took a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron, who is Aaron? Aaron is chief priest. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat down to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his law. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice, I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of 10. So what he's doing is he's breaking this down and structuring a, a means by which all these problems can be assimilated and let them judge the people, these men that you choose, let them judge the people at all time. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of 50 and rulers of 10. So they judged the people at all times the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went his own way to his own land." So well, you see, they, in this case, but note the qualifications in verse 21. Able men, that means competent men, the idea behind the Hebrew word there means men that are, that are mature enough to handle these situations such as fear God, that's a priority in their life, men of truth and men that hate covetousness and place such over them to be rulers. And he goes through the whole passage here. That passage is very similar to the qualifications which are listed in first Timothy chapter three. So if you want to flip over to first Timothy three, we'll look at those first Timothy three, It says this, it says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, and and that is the word presbyteros, he desires a good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil." You know, a lot of those traits, they're more defined here in 1 Timothy 3, but they're parallel with the ones that he had over there in the book of Exodus, chapter 18. Now, in this text here, uses the word bishop, all right? So let's go back to Acts. In Acts, he says, appoint elders. What is the difference between a bishop and an elder? Well. There is no difference between them. The words there's two primarily words, uh, presbyteros and uh, oh man, the other word slips my mind. Um, Anyway, both the words mean elder, overseer, shepherd, pastor, they're all used interchangeably is how they're used in the text. Overseers, bishops, elders, pastor shepherds. Look in First Timothy 5. First, I told you, just go back to Acts. I, I shouldn't have done that. Go to First Timothy five seventeen. It says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder, except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may also fear. Look at first Peter five. First Peter five, we see another uses. Yeah, the, the word is used here is Episcopal. First Peter five and two. And it's, it says this, I'm gonna begin in one. It says the elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by constraint, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being Lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock and when, the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So the the function or purpose of an elder is to oversee, to guide, to direct. An elder uh, primarily speaks of spiritual wisdom and maturity. Pastor speaks of overseeing and protection for the flock. Bishop speaks of ruling or providing guidance is the idea. But all those English words go back to the same basic two words that are utilized for elders. They're people that manage the church or manage the body. Now, what is a church? That's the next question. Because if you look at the text here, it says, so when they had appointed elders in every church, what is a church? Well, the word for church is ecclesia, And ecclesia, compound word also, ek, meaning out. Klesis means to call. So it is a called out ones. So if you were to speak of the church, what the church is, it's very similar to what we call positional truth. Positional truth is that when you trust in Jesus Christ, you are placed in Christ. You have an eternal relationship with God. You've been called out of the world under Christ and you are placed in Christ. So you're out of the world, but you're put back into the world To live as an ambassador or to represent the kingdom of God here on earth is what you are to do. That is what the church is. And so when we talk about church in American culture, people think of a church like what we have this morning. They think of Fellowship of Huntsville Church. But within this body of people that we call the church, there is what exists as the true church. And the true church, are those who have trusted in Christ and are in Christ Jesus, okay? That means that within a body this size, there are people here this morning that do not have a relationship with Christ. They are in the church, but they are not of the church. To be of the church, I'm speaking of a universal church, means all those who are in Christ. Then you have local church bodies. That's where those that are in Christ meet to fellowship together, to worship God, to hear the teaching of the Word of God, and to receive direction and guidance to go out into the world and evangelize. All those components, okay? So this morning as we meet here, you have fellowship at Huntsville Church, you go right up the road, you got Church of Christ, you got Church of Nazarene, you got Lutheran Church, you go across the freeway or highway here and go up uh, 1791, you got Covenant Church, is there, you go into town, there's all kinds of churches. You go out west, you got the uh, Church of God and Christ out there, you've got Church of Christ, you got West Side Baptist Church. These are little churches that are spread out all over the place and within those little churches are people that belong to the church, which are believers. So when he talks about church here, what he's saying is these groups of believers that have come together. Now in this group here, they're, young, they're new. This has only been a couple weeks since Paul started these little churches. This is one of his first missionary journeys. And so he's telling them, you've got to get some leadership in this place. So how they chose those people in that setting was they probably had some people in the body that were already spiritually mature. Cause the primary idea behind an elder is somebody that is spiritually mature, that can take care of the church because this church folks is not my church. This church is not the elders church. This church is not your church. This church is God's church. And so all an elder does, they're an under shepherd or an overseer of the local body. So they are accountable to God for the decisions that they make and the actions that take place. We look at our text, I'm I'm in Acts, so, so when they had appointed elders in every church, and then it has two things. It says, and prayed with fasting. And we've been talking about prayer the last couple of weeks out of the book of Colossians. So you can see they made this selection, but this selection incorporated prayer and fasting. And so what we're asking for this local body to do is to begin praying, praying for God's wisdom, praying for God's guidance, because we've got a lot of capable men within this body that could fulfill this role. It's not a popularity. It's not based upon wealth. It's not based upon recognition, not based upon influence in the community. It's based upon the quality set forth. And we're gonna look at those next week in the book of first Timothy, but you need to be praying for the church Uh, to make the correct and proper decision. If you hold your place here and go back to Acts 13, you will see the usage of this same thing. Go to Acts 13 uh, verse one, it says now in the church, the called out ones that was at Antioch. he's giving you a location. So this would be the church, the body of believers located at Antioch. There were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, and Cyrene, uh, Mananaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate uh, to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, and laid hands on them; they sent them away. Note how prayer and fasting go together. I often get questions on what is fasting. Well, as it's utilized here in the Scripture, the the word for fasting is nestera, and it and it literally means to abstain from food or water. You can also, in fasting, you have what's called a total fast. That's where you don't eat any food, you don't drink any water. Okay, this is a practice. Uh, when Muslims, for example, when Muslims practice Ramadan and they go into the Ramadan feast, they go for a 24-hour period of fasting. And they fast from water, too. Uh, And so the idea behind fasting is this. You deny yourself a, 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 a physical pleasure to focus upon a greater spiritual reality. And let's say you fasted for lunch. Well, you... What happens, your body is conditioned to eat meals at certain times. We condition ourselves to do that in American culture. I, I, I don't eat meals at certain time. I eat whenever I get hungry. Uh, and that's at some very odd times of the day, but I got different eating habits than some people do. But fasting is where you don't eat. And the idea is that if you don't eat, you're gonna have hunger pains. And the hunger pains are not like, get up and go to the cabinet. Go to the refrigerator, get to the refrigerator. Mm -mm. Idea is this, I'm gonna pray. This has reminded me that I'm supposed to be praying at this time. Fasting is a spiritual discipline whereby you set aside a specific time to focus on that issue, okay? So fasting is done for that as a spiritual, very common in the early church. They spent a lot of time fasting. uh, Boy, I combined two words there, fasting. (laughs) Prayer and fasting is what they would do. So they would focus upon the spiritual truth or the spiritual need that was present. It's a good practice to get into. And I encourage people, you know, at least one day a week fast, get yourself in a habit of doing that and use that time to pray. Okay, uh, don't go grocery shopping when you do it. I can tell you that much. I've done that before and it's not a good experience. You're going to load your cart up, but, but fasting means I've set aside time and I'm gonna focus upon God. I'm gonna focus upon praying to God. What's the purpose in praying to God? The purpose in praying to God is to where my personal preferences and ideas don't take the front page. Now I may think, well, we need to do this. But when I lay it before God and I begin to pray, then God begins to give me direction and guidance and insight. And how does he do that? The way God does that is things will become evident before you, you'll start seeing things that, well, you know, maybe that's the direction I need to go. Maybe this is what I need to do. I'll give you a perfect example of how prayer will do stuff. I had a job offer one time and I thought, man, that's a great job, I would love to do that. And so all I was praying for was I was praying, God, let me get this job, let me get this job, let me get this job, that's all I prayed for. And then. I was doing some scripture reading and it came to my mind. I thought, you know, I didn't know how I'm supposed to pray. So I shifted my prayer and I said, God, if that's what you want me to do, I pray that you'd move me in the favor of the people that make the selection. I did not get the job. Uh, I lost complete desire to even have the, the job or the position. Okay. I've done the same thing on, on physical purchases, put something before God. And the way God many times directs your pathway is, He will move your thoughts in a different direction. All right? He'll move your desires in a different direction. And prayer will do that. Well, fasting is the discipline that you put into place to remind you to pray. And you, you devote yourself to God. I'm gonna devote myself during my lunch hour today to God. Well, after lunch, You're not gonna be any more full than you were before lunch. And so what you'll do, you end up praying during the afternoon. It will sit there and remind you to do that, okay? And so what these people in this church did was they identified who these these individuals were, okay? They identified who they were. And then after they had, let me get my passage. And after they had identified who they were, There was prayer and fasting, and then it says, "And then they were commended to the Lord." All right, what does it mean to be commended to the Lord? Well, the word there for commended, you see it on the screen, uh, paratithium, and what that word means is compound. Para means beside, Uh, tithium or tithemi means to place. And the most common usage of that word commended was to put food in front of somebody. It was to place food in front of a person. That's how it was done. In this case, the text says they were commended to God. So what does that mean, be commended to God? It meant what they did is they placed these individuals before God to say, God, these are the men that we chose We're asking for your guidance on these men. Now, of course they sought God's direction and prayer. They also observed what was going on. You just gotta methodically look at the qualifications of a person and you'll decide right off they're a good person, but they shouldn't be in that position. You you wanna guard against people that desire power. That's one thing you wanna definitely guard against uh, because Uh, If you really want to know what a person's made of, put them in charge of something and you'll find out. Abraham Lincoln said that. Abraham Lincoln said, most men can withstand trials, most men can face up the struggles, but if you want to find the true character of a man, put him in power. And when you put someone in power, you'll find out what's really going on. And the purpose for it is this. The position of elder is to oversee the church and to guide the church. And one of the primary responsibilities of an elder is to protect the church from false teaching because the church is constantly under attack from false teaching. And I'm not talking about false teaching in the world. I'm talking about false teaching within the church, folks. Biggest false teachers and false uh, prophets in the world, they come up out of churches. They come up from within the body is where they come from. Paul spoke about this in numerous places in Scripture. And one of those places is in the book of Acts. If you want to go to Acts chapter 20, Paul's getting ready to go on a, on a trip, and he's talking about the church at Ephesus, and he's leaving the church at Ephesus. And I want you to focus down on verse 28. Go to Acts 20:28. 20, he says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. What he's doing is he's speaking to the leadership of that church at Ephesus. He says, You're overseers of the church. Works like this Jesus is the great shepherd, and elders in the church are under shepherds. Jesus is, is uh The church belongs to Jesus Christ, but the shepherds of the church oversee that body on behalf of Jesus Christ. They don't oversee it for themselves. So he says this, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Note that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And that's how the selection process comes about. When you pray, when you make it a focus of prayer, the desire is for God to guide the decisions in your life, for God to move you in a certain direction. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. That would be church splits. That's where people leave and they try to bring the flock with them. They try to destroy the flock from within. Paul says, I know that's gonna happen guys. Also, From among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after him. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I know what Paul says in that passage. He says, I commend you to God. That's the word we just looked at. He said, I'm putting you before God. I'm making you accountable to God to do what God desires, to do what God wants. He says in verse 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my own necessities and for those who were with me. I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke that they would see his face no more and they accompanied him to the ship. Paul's leaving that area and he's fearful that when he leaves, evil's gonna come in. Well, who does he put in place to oversee that? Puts elders there. So one of the primary responsibilities of elders is to guard the flock from error and from corruption to come in. So you gotta be very careful who you select for an elder. You wanna put people there that are willing to stand up for the things of God versus the things of man. You wanna put people in there that don't live with the fear of man or they don't test the waters to see what people think. They do what's right in accordance to scripture because it is a church of God. It is God's church that is being ministered to. And so when we look at these passages, we get some pretty good guidelines on what an elder does. So. If, if you were to ask the question, what is an elder? An elder is somebody that oversees the church, protects the church, and ensures that the church is shepherd or guided in a pathway to where they can bring glory and honor to God. That's what they do, they're put in a position to do that, to guide, to guard, to protect. But he says something else back in our Acts 14 passage. He says, so when they had appointed, I'm in verse 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church, and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. That word their believe, pistoa, means faith, and, and it's in the perfect tense, which means that these men were faithful men, that they were men that truly believed in God, and they lived out their faith. Their faith was an ongoing thing in their life. Okay, They were consistent in what they did. So that's what we're looking for. Next week, we'll look at the qualifications of these people, folks. You've got to pick people that are going to take a stand for the things of God and not be swayed by the opinions of people. Okay, that that is critically important. The church is going to suffer persecution and it's going to suffer great persecution. And so you want to have people in charge that are willing to stand and face that persecution and yet do what is right for God. You want people that are not gonna be quick to fight or brawl or selfish. And you definitely don't want to put anyone in that's greedy or covetous or desires uh, the resources of the church. So you look for godly men. And next Sunday, what we'll do is we'll look at those specific qualifications, what the Bible lists as. But for right now, what I'm gonna ask church to do is to be in prayer about this. Pray for wisdom, pray for God's guidance, and pray for God to put on your heart uh, names of men that you, that you think would make suitable servants for the body. How many will that be? Don't know, don't know, we'll see. We'll see how the selection, and then what will happen is the elders will take and from that group of people, there'll be analysis done and there'll be selections made. So we ask the church to pray. Uh, I figure I can get more with prayer than I can with fasting. But uh, I'm going to ask that you pray and that you fast both. Uh, just try it and, and spend your time in prayer to truly seek God uh, for this. Because we want what's best for the church of God. And what's best for the people of God is always what's best for God. And so let's look for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, for your grace, for your love toward us. We thank you for the many blessings that you've given us in this life, Lord. We pray for your divine guidance. We pray for your direction. We pray, Father, that you would open our eyes and hearts to your truth and that we'd be uh, open to your leadership and submissive to your leadership and yet faithful to your leadership in all that we do. Father, we thank you for all your many blessings. I pray for those before me, Lord, that are faced with different, difficult situations in their life, Lord. And just like you care about your church, Father, you care about individuals too, and what's going on in their life and what they're faced with. And might they come before you, God, and seek you in prayer and fasting and devote themselves to you, Father, to do what is right and proper in their own lives. We ask and we pray all this of you in Christ's name, Lord. Amen. This time you can stand, join us. We're gonna sing a hymn of invitation, opportunity for you to pray. I will be down front with some of the elders. If you'd like to come pray with us, you're welcome to do so. But join us as BJ leads us in a song.